I am Nimi and I'm Ritu from Adventurize this is Venturing Beyond a podcast where we delve into the career stories of ambitious individuals Hello and welcome to Venturing Beyond today we have with us Maria Anthony development manager at Empower the Emerging Markets Foundation Empower is a not-for-profit organization that aims to help the local organizations in emerging market countries who are working to improve conditions in their communities, especially concerning the education, health, and livelihood of at-risk youth. They do this by providing the local organizations with grants and other resources. Maria studied uh, economics and finance from the University of Bristol and graduated with a master's in management at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Following this, Maria has had experience in several industries, which I'm very excited to hear about, including consulting, brand strategy, marketing strategy, sales and business development, and so on. Um, Maria, welcome. I'm so glad to have you on the Adventurize podcast, and I'm really excited for our upcoming conversation. So how are you doing? Thanks so much, Nimi. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. I'm uh, currently in London, which is going through a heat wave. So a bit hot, but apart from that, uh, doing really well. <laughs> That's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, you had such like a wide array of experiences. So tell me, have I missed anything? <laughs> No, no, you got it right. Uh, in the in the professional sense, yes, I've had a I've had a wide array of experiences. Um, yeah, I uh, I I I've moved from the corporate world to the nonprofit world quite recently, so that was the most recent experience. But yeah, I've had a lot of different uh, career paths. So yeah, it's been great. Fantastic. Actually, like I was looking at all your your educational background and you seem to have traveled a lot. That must be a pretty interesting experience, right? Yeah, it was great. I actually moved around to about uh, 10 schools while I was growing up. So I've lived across the world. So I, I was born in India, but um, we also lived not only all over India, but also abroad. So I lived in New Zealand, I lived in Singapore, I lived in Dubai, I lived in the UK, the US, obviously now the UK is home for me. Um, but yeah, I've lived all over the world um, and I went to 10 different schools. So moved around a lot as a child, uh, which has its positives, uh, but also there, there are certain negatives there as well, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. Um, do you mind sharing some of your experiences and like what differences did you observe even just in your ed educational like institutions? There must have been quite a few differences, right? Yeah, it was. It's very different. So I think when you one when um, going uh, previous to university, moving around at a young age to different schools across the world is a. It, it's great. You meet lots of people. You know, you you get to experience new countries and the culture. Um, and it teaches you to be a little more adaptable and agile. Um, you know, it teaches you to, you, you have to keep starting over. None of my schools were longer than a year or two years. And so it, it teaches you, you know, to make friends. And the positive is I have friends all across the world. So that's really great. 
um, the negative is you don't have that stable kind of, you know, school environment that you grew up with, you know, friends that you've had for 20 years. Um, and it, it, that's always hard because you, you, you move so much and you have to rebuild and you start again. Uh, but in some way, you know, it taught me a lot. And so, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, in terms of university, uh, I, I studied in the UK, but also the US. And I have to say, I loved the US. I loved Cornell. Um, I was there for a very short period, but I absolutely loved it. And I think it was so different contrasting the two education approaches. So yeah, it was it was great. Really? What, what did you find different about that? So the UK is, I found the UK very academic and very theoretical, uh, whereas I found the US very practical. So um, also in terms of campuses, you know, I was at LSE, which was in the middle of a city, obviously great to be in London, but you don't get that feeling of a campus and, an, you know, a real, you're living with people and you form a network, which I did in, the, in Cornell, like we were living on a campus, it was secluded in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. Um, Ithaca was gorgeous. It was just, it was vast. It was, it was absolutely beautiful, uh, the surrounding, you know, countryside, but also just, you know, that wide network that you build in the US. Um, I think it's, it's, it's not replicable anywhere else. Uh, that being said, I loved, you know, I also loved my time in, at the LSE and I was in Bristol for my undergrad. And Bristol was a little more campusy because uh, you're in, in a, you know, kind of uh, in a city and you're living within, you know, within a campus. Unlike London, London is very much like New York, you know, it's a big city and full of buildings. And I didn't get the very, I didn't get the campus vibe uh, at London. But then I loved, I also loved the contrast between, you know, going to school in the middle of, Holborn, Covent Garden, and you get that experience, right? So that's really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Um, I'm curious, like, what made you experiment later on in life? Like, there must have been, you know, a reason or so something to push you towards that direction. I think in the last couple of years, you know, during my time, at De uh, I was at Deloitte most recently, but also over the pandemic um, last year, I think you shut us all in and you have more time to think. And so, um, yeah, I did this uh, three circle model where you look at, you know, what skills do you have? What would you really like to do? Uh, what are you really passionate about? And you know, what could you do that you earn a living and you sustain your lifestyle, but at the same time, try and do something you really want to do and yeah and so I decided to take a bit of a risk uh, and leave the corporate world uh, and venture into the world I'm in right now which is the non-profit world so yeah I feel like that's a bit of an experiment um, one I hope really works out because I love what I'm doing at the moment um, but yeah apart from that I was gonna say I didn't do much experimenting I did experimenting in the sense in in the corporate world like I tried different internships so over different summers even though I was in you know financial services or uh, uh, I, I did try different you know companies I tried different roles I tried consulting uh, you know I tried sales and marketing I tried strategy uh, when I graduated from the LSC I also I was at I was at a, a boutique consulting firm where I did strategy and analytics and so I did try different things uh, over the years just to see you know one at the time it felt right and at the time it felt like this is what I really wanted to do um and so if there were different parts that I took backtracking just a little bit you mentioned earlier that you were in studying STEM right and then suddenly yeah. you transitioned to finance and business what yeah. happened I really wanted to be a doctor 
uh, I, from a very young age. I, I don't know what it was. I think it was a little bit of laziness, I want to say, and a little bit of, oh, I can't do this for 10 years. And so, and I don't think I'd, I would have been good at it. So I was a little scared at the time. And so I transitioned. Going back a little bit, uh, when you interned at the boutique consulting firm, um, what kind of resources did you use to find that opportunity? And uh, even later on? Yeah, so I, you know, in the US, you have this whole kind of uh, career counselor part. You don't really have it in the UK. So it was a lot of my own work. Uh, there were some resources I remember, but not very much. And so it was word of mouth. It was networking. It was going for events and career fairs. I, I remember going for so many career fairs. Um, I think it's a lot easier now with LinkedIn and trying to like find a connection or trying to find someone you know or you know uh, it was a lot of it was my own research uh, yeah I can definitely see how LinkedIn would help people nowadays but you know yeah. at sometimes I just feel like there's um, an oversaturation in LinkedIn when there's yeah. so many people and so many opportunities that may or may not be true and there's like yeah. uh, like a, yeah. a little bit of a disconnect I feel so yeah. maybe like we still attend career fairs but maybe that's maybe yeah I think that's still you know I know the LSE has a few that I still yeah, I used to go for in the last couple of years I think it's always good to network and try and find someone like even if you just use LinkedIn to try and find a connection at the organization that you want would like just to find out more about it have a chat with that coffee or chat with that person and actually so I uh, I, I looked at LinkedIn jobs and that's actually how I came across one of my, my most recent role. And so I think that, um, yeah, I think uh, LinkedIn jobs is actually really useful. I know a couple of people who have used it. Um, I think it's really about networking. I have a friend who just moved to Canada and just, you know, she, she managed to get a job and I was like, how? And she was like, just networking, finding school alumni, finding, um, you know, finding uh, alumni from your college and your networks. And it's all about just making a connection. And it's, you know, I, I know it's oversaturated and every podcast talks about relationships and people, but it is about finding the right people and not at all the time. Sometimes you have to invest more and, but you just have to, that one person can make such a difference. Yeah. How did you prepare for the job, for like the interview process at that time or you know, even for your more recent roles, was there any process that you regularly stuck to and found really um, beneficial? Yeah, I think it's a combination of preparing, but also being really authentic. Like I didn't, I, I did a bit of preparation. So I would do background research into the firm. I would really look at the role. I would look at what you know, what is the role require? What skills do I have? How do I bridge the transition between what skills I have, what I don't have, how can I make it up? How can I have that growth? Adam Grant talks about, no, I can't remember who it is, or Simon Sinek, one of the two, talks about growth, uh, infinite mindset. And so how you kind of, you have to like have the curiosity to learn and to, you know, want to understand what, you know, what are you lacking? And, but also show like very authentically, like, you know, you don't have to come across as you know everything. I think it's a lot, a little bit is around, I'll, I'll give you an example of my most recent role. I was, I was really, you know, I loved the job description and I loved the company, the, the, the 
foundation that I'm at. I thought the purpose was amazing, Um, you know, and I moved obviously from consulting. There were a few overlapping skills, but I think my boss actually said to me what came across was my passion for it. I think, um, and I don't know, every, you know, I'm still new to the sector, but it's all about showing that commitment to learn, you know, having that intellectual curiosity. Um, I think that's probably the most important. But preparing, I would I would do a lot of reading. I, I did a lot of reading before any interviews that I had. Uh, thoroughly research the organization, the people I'm meeting, um, you know, what I want to stay, say, structure your answers, you know, look at, you know, potential ways to do that, but also don't over prepare. I think it's a lot about just being yourself and being really authentic, because I think everyone looks at, oh, we should use star method or this method and that I'm like, no, just go be yourself. You're going to work at these organizations. They're going to figure out if you don't have the skills or if you're making it up. And so you kind of just have to be very authentic and honest. And I think that really comes across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Adventurize, an online platform that provides one-on-one industry mentorship and career guidance tools. Are you interested in connecting with experienced professionals and industry experts to learn more about your field of interest? Then Adventurize is a platform for you. Follow Adventurize on LinkedIn at A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-I-S-E or on Instagram at A-D-V-E-N-T-U dot R-I-S-E or join our Discord community and our platform to help you find the mentors best suited to your needs. For more details, check the link in our description. With the different jobs that you've um, taken, you must have made like a couple of mistakes and had some interesting situations, right? I think um, I think one is, you know, like uh, I think early on I tried to be pretend that I knew everything um, where and I think that was a, a little bit of a challenge. And so I think it's a, it's reaching out and asking and showing, you know, that you want to learn and that you don't know all the answers. I think the other I did make a mistake at one of the places I worked in. Um, I don't think I formed the best relationships. um, And I think I should have invested more time and energy to nurture and grow those relationships. Um, And to be, I think, as you grow older, you learn the skill of diplomacy. I think uh, I used to be very hell-bent on achievement and I still am an excellence but in uh I, I, I think I was a little cutthroat and aggressive back in the day and I think that works with some people but it doesn't always work and I find the way to actually be get things done and the way to actually succeed and honestly I want to be a better person at the end of the day and I've worked a lot on myself over the last couple of years and I think it's to it's to understand that everyone is coming from a different angle I think it's to be you know a little more understanding a little more compassionate and to use a little more diplomacy even if the other person isn't always right, but to frame it in a constructive way rather than a negative way works better. And so that's one thing that I'm really trying to do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? <laughs> yeah. Wish I had these. Wish I had done all of this back in the day. That would have made life a lot easier. <laughs> back in the day. I know. It's just like. <laughs> 
Everyone, I'm okay. Let me just say I'm only 33. I don't know why I keep saying back in the day. <laughs> um, but you know, back in the day, did you have any um, really interesting experiences that you now think was like a once in a lifetime opportunity or experience? Um, the opportunity to go to Cornell um, was was a was. I just remember getting that email and I was ecstatic. The most recent, actually, sorry, the most recent highlight I want to say is making the transition from the corporate mm-hmm. world to the nonprofit world. I thought it would come much later on in life uh, because I'm surrounded by uh, capitalism all, all around me. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it was a different sense of accomplishment. Right now, what I'm doing is, um, you know, I am ambitious in a different way. I, I, I want to change the world, as idealistic as that sounds. And I, um, every day, I think I, well, I hope that I'm taking a step towards that. Yeah, yeah. I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you about Empower. But right before that, I just want to ask you for the people who are listening who might be interested in the corporate world, in strategy, in consulting, finance. um, What advice do you have? Like, how would they go about getting into that kind of position and industry? Consulting is quite analytical in some ways and process driven. And it's so it's like, why do you want to do it? What is your kind of uh, you know, I really want to do it because I'd get to meet different clients. I'd get different experiences. It's a great stepping stone. It teaches you a lot. Um, so yeah, I'd say really look at your why. Uh, in terms of getting a job, um, I think it's a, a lot about, it's, it's, it's hard. I have to say it really builds your resilience when you apply to like, you know, you have to throw in 50 to 100 stones to get one back. And so it's really doing those, spending time doing those applications. And it's not just copy paste. It's literally spending time thinking about the answers, thinking about why you want to do it, networking with the people at these firms, understanding what the company is. Does it align with your values? Are you just doing it because you wanted to get into a big firm? Um it's, I think, so consulting, strategy, uh, analyst, they're all great kind of fields to be in and they're all different. So I loved consulting because one, you get to meet different people, you get to do different uh, innovative, you know, uh, things with each organization or each com- like firm that you're working in. You learn a lot. So there's a lot of learning in terms of processes, in terms of, you know, challenges, in terms of relationship management with clients. Uh, there's also, you have to use a little bit of EQ and IQ, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, when you're managing clients, there's a little bit of both that comes in. And so my advice is really think about why, think about what you want to do, and then, you know, find, find, talk to a lot of people, find out what their experience is in that field and or in that company, um, and then figure out a way to go about doing it. I'd also attend a lot of like career fairs. Um, I'd look at uh, I'd look at different things. There's so many resources online. I'd look at that. I'd look at uh, Illumini. I'd look at LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of reading and research uh, into these places before like getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look back at it right now, is there anything that you're really glad that you tried out? Um, in even in the corporate field and like um, what about the people that you met maybe uh, mentors or um, yeah helped you reach where you are right now 
yeah and i think i i really enjoyed my time in the corporate world you know i uh, i i met really interesting people uh, i also like I, i worked in india for a little bit where i, I worked for in, in india for two years and that was sales and marketing that was a different type of skill i think one of the in all my jobs this common skill was you have to if if you're in this field you have to learn how to do business development and sell because you're selling something whether it's an idea or uh, a project or right now uh, uh, you know a social impact or philanthropy whatever it is you're always so you have to really learn to work with people and kind of you have to you have to learn to sell uh, you have to le- learn you know i think eq is a really important skill that you really have to learn you know it's less about being book, book smart anymore it's all around you know how can you make an impact how can you make a difference um what are you selling how good is your idea mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, there are a few of my friends who are interested in consulting and um going into strategy that kind of uh, in an industry and yeah. the big thing that i hear about a lot is like imposter syndrome and feeling like yeah, yeah how would you be consulting for someone right out of college you know um yeah. you, what are your thoughts on that i think i still have well i okay, someone told me the other day that i have imposter syndrome because i still think i'm not good at certain things um i think it's really having the confidence that any but you know when you get you you are going to be thrown in the deep end but you're also going to be surrounded by really like you said sorry i didn't address the point of mentors earlier you're going to be surrounded by people they're not going to just throw you in the deep end you will have a team that you can work with and you will have great mentors you know both i i found a mentor actually outside of work who was great like a coach it's important to have a challenge circle because sometimes you get people just tell you what you want to hear and i think you know um you need to have people who challenge you um and i and i so i think coming right out and joining you know a consulting firm especially in strategy one of my best friends works in strategy and i can see how much she's grown i can see you know how you you know she she's gotten so much confidence she she's just you know even for me like you know working being thrown in the deep end you learn a different skill set you learn how to do things there's always a way to learn how to do things and you're surrounded by people who will teach you and everyone is very willing to teach you i was scared to ask and say that i don't know something and you know i did and i ended up learning a lot and so you will get people who are more than happy to teach you but you have to be honest and say i don't know everything but i want to learn how to do this i want to put in you have to also put in the hours um you know i i think that's one thing you have to do at a young age i think it's really putting in the hours to just especially in your 20s my brother's in his 20s right now and he works 24/7 and that, i'm not i'm not you know i'm all for work life balance but i think when you're in your 20s you have to kind of it's more work than balance um as you as you get older it's it's uh you know right now it, there is a lot of you know work life balance i'm trying to incorporate that but i think as a, as a, at, at in my 20s um i think it's a lot of just putting in the hard work to you have to do that early on to get to later you know to get to the stage where you're comfortable later on yeah yeah as you transition to the not for profit world um like what kind of differences did you observe and um like what was your initial thought like when you shifted you know must have been a bit yeah. in the non-profit world it's much more around coming together for the cause i find people much nicer um and i find actually it says the people in this world are so smart i think much smarter 
than otherwise because they're you know literally PhDs or they have you know they're very well versed or they've been in the field for so long that they know what's going on and so it's amazing to learn from really smart people also really innovative um you know we work with some really innovative uh, organizations and I find my, some of my colleagues you know doing things in different ways and so it's a very innovative uh, and, a, and a very, you know, it's a very difficult, different world. It's a very, it's a much kinder world. Um, it's a much more compassionate world. And it's a much, it's much more coming together for a good cause. That being said, you know, it's also, it's very challenging. Um, uh, I'm a fundraiser and I'm in the development space. And so it is always, I thought it would be a lot easier, but it is challenging. You know, um, you just have to, like I said, build your resilience muscle to, um, you know, keep going even when times are hard yeah yeah I can definitely imagine that I worked um, at an orphanage nearby uh, called Hope Foundation and yeah it was really really fun I led a project for um, resilience building resilience but through activities because you know that we can't really expect children of like 10 to 12 year olds to sit still and listen to you right you have to be able to convey the message in a way that Um, be able to accept and yeah like there are so many interesting challenges very different from the corporate world that you find in the nonprofit world we have a huge uh amount of support from our board and from our um you know we've got organizations we've worked with for a long time so we're very lucky but it is as a new fundraiser it is a challenge yeah 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 um as you started working in empower what what attracted you to it in the beginning, like Empower specifically? And what are you doing currently in your role? Yeah. So what attracted me to it is the people and the mission. So the mission is to empower the most vulnerable and marginalized young people. Um, and there's a fo- certain focus on adolescent girls um, between the ages of 10 and 24. Uh, and we work across 15 different emerging markets. So India, Africa, Latin America, Southeast Asia, China, Turkey, and Russia. Um, and so it was really putting together empowering young girls and young women, uh, as well as emerging markets, because obviously I'm from India. And so those were the two biggest attractions to me. Uh, it was really around the mission. And it was, uh, you know, it was, a, I, I saw very early on, it was a great team. It was a team that I wanted to be part of. It was, you know, my colleagues are all amazing. Um, and they do some really innovative and really amazing work to empower the most vulnerable people. And so that was really it. And so I was like, yeah, want to do this, want to go help and change the world in some way. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, do you think like you could share any projects that you've been working on currently? Or Yeah, so we actually, we do a lot of interest, very interesting work. We did one very interesting project in India uh, with the UK's Foreign and Commonwealth Development Office. And they funded an adolescent girl participatory research project uh, where we trained 23 young girls uh, from the communities in the north of India. Um, and they went to interview around 153 other girls and they presented the results back to us. And that was the most heartwarming moment I think I've experienced in years, just to like be on this webinar where they're presenting, you know, what are the needs? Because we be- we believe that girls themselves should tell us, like we can sit here and 
plan their lives, but we feel like it's more around inclusivity and getting girls to tell us what they really want, you know, getting these young people who are on the margins to be, you know, inform us. And so uh, really, it was really interesting to get their insights into what's really impacting them. Um, you know, how has COVID impacted them? How do we build a post-pandemic world for them? What would they really like to see, you know, in terms of inclusive education, in terms of economic livelihoods, in terms of safe and healthy lives? How can we help them? And so it was, that was a really, really great project. How we work is we do, we do, we provide grants. So we work with around a hundred plus grantee partners. We call them grantee partners. These are local grassroots organizations across the 15 different emerging markets, uh, India being one of our large markets. And uh, we work with very innovative grantee partners in India. Um, and so one is providing them with financial assistance, so providing them with grants. And the other way is uh, really capacity building, so helping them scale and grow, uh, you know, helping the organization with strategy and fundraising. And we also create learning exchanges around the world. So something that's worked in India will take and, you know, replicate it in uh, Ghana. This is what we did with, uh, you know, one of our non-traditional livelihoods programs uh, in India, where uh, young women were taught to drive and, you know, and, and taught to go into fields that are typically dominated by men. And so we took that learning exchange and model and we replicated that in Ghana, which with one of our partners, and that worked really well. Wow. Um, we also use some of our grantee partners are amazing in um, other countries. So in South Africa, we use sport. Uh, so we have a program that uses surfing as a way to teach the uh, most hardest hit young people how to increase their resilience and mental health and well-being. Um, and then in, you know, we use boxing as a way to do that. So there are different ways to engage young people. And some of our partners are amazing and they find such innovative ways to do that. Right now, the most important, though, is education, because uh, as, as you probably know, the pandemic has exasperated the divide, particularly for young girls and women. And so it's providing them with digital tools, helping girls get back into school, uh, you know, providing an education for them. Uh, and it's also allowed economic livelihoods, you know, helping them with employability and financial literacy and job readiness skills. Um, and the third strand is our uh, healthy, you know, a safe and healthy lives, which is all around preventing gender-based violence, providing safe spaces for them, educating girls on sexual and reproductive health, which is, which is you know, a big part of what we do. Um, and yeah, it's the work is very interesting. So anyone who wants to, you know, uh, do social impact or philanthropy or help us, uh, your support will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious, but what is a typical day in the nonprofit world? And if you could compare it to what you used to experience in the corporate world. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to see the differences and how you dealt with that. Uh, there is no typical way day in the nonprofit. In the in the consulting world, you're on a project, you're continuously, you're either, you know, you go from client to client and you, there's a process. So you follow a process and you follow a template and you just replicate that. Um, well, you, you know, you find different ways to do it for different clients, but it's very process driven. Uh, the nonprofit world is very much more innovative, I think. Um, so a typical day is, you know, I, I manage existing relationships as well as try and find new relationships. So I talk to different people, so many different people on a daily basis. And these could be, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, our board is introducing me to people or it's like for my own research or it's cold calling and like just picking up the phone. It's funny how 
you don't get an answer till you ask. And so it's funny how I've really learned to ask and not be shy and just be bold about it. Um, mm -hmm. I've actually, uh, you know, I've approached a lot of kind of high profile people. And it's funny, I get a reply. Uh, everyone around is shocked that I get a reply. And it's just finding a way to do it. You have to find an end. A typical day is talking to many, many people. Obviously, the emails never stop. So you kind of like always kind of doing that at the same time. But it's trying to find more innovative ways and how to get more people on board with Empower, to be honest, to how to get, uh, get us, how to fundraise, how to get people interested in what we do, getting the word out there. Um, you know, that's just, that's really some of the things I do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about like any people that you met that you maybe still are in touch with. Or, you know, just uh, in general, maybe someone who inspired you and motivated you to keep going. Um, and did they influence, like, how you make decisions and how you view problems? Like, um, what is your general process like? Yeah, 100%. One of my most... Adam Grant is my most favorite person who tells... Who well, doesn't personally tell me. I listen to his uh, podcast and read his books. But um, I love the whole rethinking decisions. I love how you're you know you have to read some not have to but sometimes you you know it's good to rethink things uh and so they really the people i listen to Brene brown is you know how it's okay to you know give yourself a bit of slack how we need to cultivate authenticity and compassion and how you know we need to reset ourselves and we need to you know there's a lot of motivational speakers out there the power of vulnerability uh, she talks about um and so yeah I, a lot of these people influence what i want how i want to be i think more than anything it's the person I want to be and how I want to do things and so a lot of them at the moment are really inspirational that way Scott Galloway is someone I absolutely have loved over the last couple of years especially during the pandemic he kept me company uh, on my walks with the uh, listening to him and I think he's brilliant in terms of his business acumen he's an entrepreneur he's a New York uh, uh, University professor but also he has this algebra of happiness and I love that because I think that really inspires me um, and motivates me. So yeah. yeah. Um, would you like to share any announcement or um, promotion related to Empower? Uh, just, I'd love to share um, our. Uh, I can I can send you our global storybook if you uh, and links to our website. I would love to have anybody who's interested in girls. Uh, we have some India funds right now where we're trying to build uh, for you know uh, young adolescent girls in India in particular, and there's a huge need. And so, if anyone's able to get involved, that would be great. We also have a campaign that we're running in September. It's a four-week challenge. Um, I can share the website for that. Um, but, you know, to raise as much money as possible to go to all our grantee partners across the globe, um, as we build back from the pandemic, it's really important, you know, for people, especially those, uh, you know, in our circles in, who are doing well to give back. And so I think, you know, even if it's a small amount, anything, you know, any little amount helps. Um, so, yeah, I would love to have, you know, anyone who's interested in the cause to get involved with us or to donate um, or to get involved with our campaign. And that would be really great and really beneficial to us. Fantastic. I'll share the links in our thank description. You. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Milia. It was really great talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing and I really appreciate uh, being involved with you. <laughs>